Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long we are talking about artistic August. And why are we talking about this? Because I think it's a great time for us to just slow down, take some deep breaths and realize how important art of any kind is in our life. And my guest today is a repeat guest for us. I wanted to have her back because uh, we not only had a fantastic uh, conversation the first time, but uh, she's also got a couple more books out. And this time we're going to talk about specifically some fiction that she has been immersed in. So Rebecca Duvall Scott is, you know, she's all around. She's an accomplished author and she has received numerous awards, including for her first published work, which is a best-selling memoir called Sensational Kids. (laughs) Let's see if I can say it right. Sensational Kids, Sensational Families, Hope for Sensory Processing Differences. And I'll tell you, we're going to have a link to that original interview because it was just a really impactful impactful discussion about her, uh, I'm not going to say struggles, but her, her wonderful, incredible life with her child and her children. And uh, this was uh, filled with so much, a lot of research interventions, mind shift uh, changes that helps bring families and especially her family together through her son's diagnosis of sensory processing disorder. And she values her uh, special needs initiatives, but She's always had this drive and this little voice inside her telling her that she also had a fiction book to write, and it's specifically a Christian historical fiction novel. There's a lot of incredible stories behind it that's based on her great-grandmother's childhood, and that hit some uh, pretty high uh, marks, including some best-selling status points with it, but what's really exciting is that tomorrow on September 1st, the sequel to that book comes out. So her first uh, historical fiction novel is called When Dignity Comes to Harlan, came to Harlan, and the next one is out tomorrow. So joining me is Rebecca Duvall Scott. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me again. Yes, thank you, Michael. I am so excited to be here and to circle back and talk to you because I know at the end of our last conversation, we were talking about this book hopefully coming out and it is now out and now the sequel's coming too. Yeah, so I know when we spoke last, we were talking about, is this your third time on my podcast? I think it is. I think it's just my second. Is it? I couldn't remember because I knew we had you for our author series. So I was like, maybe we've got you for three. But um, I know we were talking about, you know, the, the very first book, which I'd like to talk about a little bit again. So when Dignity Came to Harlan is, there's an incredible backstory to this. So it's fiction, but there's a lot of, of great actual reality to it as well. Tell us a little bit about where you got the inspiration from this book, the first book, and uh, a little bit about, you know, tease us so why we might want to read it. And then we'll dive into the new book that, uh, that releases tomorrow. Okay, sure. So um, I want you to picture being around your grandma's table. Hopefully that brings good, you know, mm. 
brings to mind. I would always sit at her table. We would do peach pies together where you get to push them down with the fork and put them in the oven and eat them. And we'd get all settled and she'd say, Rebecca, I want to tell you a story. And she would proceed to tell me this amazing story about her own mother. So it's my great grandmother's childhood story of how they were poor. They came from Missouri and they came to Kentucky searching for a better life, thought that they could get a coal mining job and improve their situation. But they were so poor when they got into town that they ended up parceling their daughters out between other people's homes. And they wanted to um, go get a job, get a house, you know, and be able to provide for them and come back and get them and gather the family back together. But unbeknownst to the children, they never came back. And wow. they didn't really understand what happened. So my great grandmother grew up from the time she was five years old in foster care. And they were pretty cruel to her. They treated her like a servant. We have found um, research documents for like the 1910 census where she's listed as a servant in these people's homes. They hired her out to other neighbors to work. She didn't exceed the third grade. And it's this miraculous story of, you know, that old fashioned good American grit where she really still overcame all of these challenges and still ended up having a good life and had good people around her, got married, ended up having six children between two marriages. And it's just a phenomenal story. So I grew up listening to that and my grandmother wanted me to write it. She always wanted to write it herself, but she didn't feel gifted. So when I started showing some promise with writing from a young age, she started telling me from a young age, I want you to write this story. You have to get this, this needs to be told. And um, when I was 16, I sat down with her and we wrote down every scrap of information she could remember, every anecdote, every date, every person's name, everything we could capture. And I'm really glad I did because when um, shortly after I got married and had my children, she had a stroke and she was not able to speak anymore. It took her language. So I was so thankful that I had all of that recorded. And, uh, and I believe she always knew she passed away before I got it published, but I believe she always knew that I was going to publish the story. So that's where book one came from when Dignity came to Harlan. And uh, you want me to tell you a little bit about that book with the fictional part? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it, it changes a little bit from the original storyline. So I have it set in the early 1900s, still moving from Missouri to Kentucky. And it follows 12-year-old Annabeth Atwood. And when they get into town, they're poor. They have to be split up into foster care. Her and her baby sister, Olivia, get dumped into the home of Jack and Grace Granger. And they have plenty of trouble of their own. And so she suffers quite a lot at um, mainly his hands. And uh, she does continue her education, whereas my great-grandmother didn't even get mm -hmm. to exceed you know, third grade. So I've changed bits and pieces of it but it's the story of human experience in all facets and how she handled all of that and how she came through it. It's the story of um, just kind of the unseen hand of God and how he really moved to help her change this whole heart and soul of this town and herself as well. So it's just heartbreak and hope and challenges and perseverance, good versus evil, justice and redemption. I mean, it's got it all. So that's yeah. where that book comes from, and now we've got um, the sequel coming out as well. 
So when you were hearing these stories and you're with your grandmother and you're, you know, you're making the pies, I can, the visualization is wonderful because, you know, those were the times that I loved to visit with my grandmother as well. So we're, you know, we're cooking, we're talking, we're gossiping, but um, those, those stories didn't easily come out of my grandmother's generation. They, she didn't, I didn't learn a lot. In fact, the, the one little scrap of information uh, about 11 weeks or so before my grandmother passed away, she, we found out that she um, had, term, she had tumors all throughout her body and they'd gone to her brain. We had no idea that she had them. So luckily she did not suffer. But when I, we took her to the hospital, when she had what appeared almost like a mental break, she was doing a sing song and she was like, and her, her name was Ruby. And she was like, Ruby Grace fell on her face. Ruby Grace fell on her face. And I was like, grandma, what are you saying? And she said, oh, that's, that's what my brother used to tease me about. And that was the only glimpse into her childhood that I had ever seen. So what a gift that your grandmother not only was giving you stories of her life, but of her mother's life. That's that's an amazing, incredible gift. Did you know at the time how, not just what it could mean to tell a story of it later, but how special that was to get that kind of information, even if it wasn't always great? I don't think that I realized fully at the time what this whole experience would mean, you know, from my childhood on to like, this was the book I really feel called and born to write. Mm -hmm. But even at a young age, I knew it was important and I knew it was big. And I could feel all that emotion around it when she would tell me these stories and how I would sit and think about that. And I would visualize that covered wagon, you know, come in at one point, they come over the hill in Illinois and their oxen die. And so, you know, mm. it's just this really difficult trip, but perseverance all the way through. And I knew even as a little girl, this, this is big and this is important. And this is a story that's going to resonate with so many people. But now that I've grown up, I feel very, very blessed to have been kind of the story keeper of the family and to be able to have this to retell. And I just, I love the whole experience. Yeah, I think it's a really beautiful testament. And also to be able to change the story, you know, the story, you know, the reality of it, but to change it to allow for some of that still, you can share as you wish, but to allow a little bit of that still to be private for what you want to share when you want to share it is a really, that's a, that's another gift in and of itself. So now I know you told me too, that you, obviously we have the second book coming out uh, tomorrow, but you have many other books already planned for this. How has the story grown, um, you know, to be beyond, maybe it's still a lot of the stringing of those stories of your great grandmother, but I'm assuming it's going to continue to grow a little on its own. How has that process been for you to take something that started in one segment and, and build it and grow it and adapt it beyond what it originally was? It's been a really exciting process because where it started, where it was all based on my great grandmother's childhood. So in the first book, I even have a truth versus fiction section in the back of the book because people love to know, you know, what actually was factual and what wasn't. So mm -hmm. I included all of that. But I have lived with these characters for over 20 years, you know, from the time I was a little girl and, and now I'm 38 and I've lived with them, it, you know, 20 plus years. So I know them in and out. I know their mannerisms, their personalities, their thought processes, you know, everything about them. And it really did take on a life of its own. So originally I was only going to write book one for my great grandmother's 
childhood point of view. And I was going to write book two from her first husband's point of view, which was my great grandfather. And he was a Civil War veteran. And they were almost 50 years apart in age. So the story story gets bigger and more wild. In reality, it it does. So I was originally only going to have those two books. But when I finished book one, I started getting all this feedback from readers that they wanted more time with this new family. They wanted to understand how Annabeth processes the traumatic experiences in her life and how does she grow into a woman after all of this happens to her and how does she find her feet again and be okay. And so it became all of a sudden, it was like there has to be a book two sandwiched in between what I had originally planned. And so the book two that's coming out tomorrow, Teaching Dignity, it is actually all fiction. And it's picking up with um, Annabeth set around in the 1930s. So she's early 20s and she's taking on her first teaching job in North Carolina. And we've got the trials of the Great Depression, racial segregation, social class division, all of these things as the backdrop. But then she's struggling to find her own path, not only in school and in life, but in her personal life as well, really trying to grow into a woman and get settled and and kind of move on from all these things that had happened to her. So um, it became a pivotal book for the series where I had only planned the two. I needed that middle book in there to really connect book one to book three. And Mm. I'm already thinking past book three to a possible book four and five. Yeah, I love it. Well, and as you're talking, it it brings up, you know, a little house on the prairie kind of uh, vibes to me that that sense of, you know, many of us cannot even imagine what life was like you know, except for what we've seen on TV, which we know is all, you know, glorified in whatever way, but really to take somebody's story and try to showcase the various uh, pinnacle points in their life is, it's not an easy task, but it would be really probably something that your great grandmother would probably be very honored with, even the parts that you've taken the fiction with, because it's really based on the woman, you know, that persevered through all that. I really think so because I, I think of her often and I think growing up the way she did and suffering the hardships that she had to endure and she didn't get a whole lot of justice you know in her life period she did not and she still managed to be happy she still managed to find goodness in people and to be good herself and I, I would like to think that she would be really proud of what I've done, just in the aspect that her story finally gets to be told and people get to understand the truth and understand more of maybe why she was the way she was. And that's, you know, that's important to me as well. We all yeah. deserve to have our stories to be told and, and to feel understood by people. I agree. Well, Rebecca, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com 
backslash B.H. Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash B.H. Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Rebecca Duvall Scott and talking about uh, not only her first book, uh, well, I mean, technically her second book, but her first Christian nonfiction book, When Dignity Came to Harlan, and then her book that releases tomorrow, which is number two in the series, Teaching Dignity. Um, This whole month, my series is called Artistic August. And the real purpose for me with this series was to remind us all in the craziness of life. And as we get back to, you know, quote unquote, more of a normal work life situation is that some of the things that I think we learned in the last year and a half uh, during the pandemic was, you know, to enjoy certain things, to enjoy, you know, to slow down, to really take some breathers, to relax, to, to find the things that make us happy, like reading, which is one of my big things. In fact, the last few days, I've been reading a series of books and I've been almost finishing a book a night. And my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm in the zone, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, expressing ourselves creatively also helps us in every other aspect of our life. What has the writing process done for you, meant for you? What is it, how has it uh, helped you or frustrated you or, or any of the above? What, what has it done to, to change or to enhance who you are? Well, I firmly believe that I was born an author. This this book in this series is what I was meant to write. So um, how I came about it was a little bit different than a lot of people's stories. Um, I got married, had my children, my first son. Um, my, my son had um, some sensory processing challenges going on that took about seven years of really intense intervention. And I didn't, I didn't write during that period. So I actually started book one, When Dignity Came to Harlan. I turned in the first 70 pages of that when I was a senior in college to my creative writing professor. And he shook my hand on graduation day and said, I want, I want to see your book get published. Oh. Um, so even then I was still writing, but I had, it's like I almost had to take this break. And I, I got to a place in myself where I thought, if I never get to go back to it, being a wife and a mother is enough. And I, I really got to that place because I, I couldn't write during that period of time. But God knew what he was doing because everything had to happen with my kiddo so that I could get connected to write sensational kids, sensational families to help other struggling families. But I learned so much from the publishing side on how to do that, that I was then able to come back to my first love for my Christian yeah. historical fiction and do it really well. And it's just been phenomenal. There was a time period where I was seeing a doctor because I was um, suffering from some autoimmune disorder things. And he said, you've got to find a way to manage your stress. You have to get back to doing what you love. And I tried painting for a little while and I tried other things. And then it's, my husband actually was the encourager. And he was like, you have to start writing again. You need to get the first book for Sensational Kids. You've got to get that out there to help other parents. And when I finally was able to carve out the time to get back to it, it's like rediscovering part of your purpose, a huge part of who you are. And so that manages your stress naturally. (laughs) When those of us, you know, I'm a big believer in everyone has a purpose. And if you can discover your purpose and stick with it, you know, then everything else falls into place around it. 
So that mm-hmm. that kind of has been in a nutshell, the writing process for me and, and where I've come from and struggled with and where I am now. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that too. I actually haven't been able to work on my novel for the last two weeks. One, because I was kind of decompressing um, and on a little bit of vacation. And now this week, because of um, just being so, you know, booked, overbooked myself when I came back. But when I, when I really carve out the time for me, writing is incredibly powerful and very therapeutic. And, and I know it isn't for everybody, but for those of us who, who love it, there's something, there's something really incredible out of it. And I always feel like I'm creating a new book in my head, you know, so I've created, I've written two, or I've published two business books, written them like novels, but I have four more in motion. You know, they've got little pieces of them all over the place. And I'm always thinking and adding things to them. And for me, I think that creativity is such a blessing when you need to just find that space that's just you because it's, yes. it's truly just you. And I think that's part of it is that I, I got lost in all of the research for the sensory processing challenges and I worked with lots of different doctors. I, I really felt like I had to figure all these things out on my own. I had to go in all these different directions, find these people that knew what they were doing in their niche. And that's really what my book is all about, is our experience, what worked for us, trying to put all of this into one place for other families that are still struggling that have no idea where to even begin to say, you know, here, this is my survival guide. This is what worked for us. But I got lost. I lost myself within that process. And it was, you know, it was through God kind of bringing me back to writing that I ended up rediscovering that purpose. Not that I ever like forgot that's what I'm supposed to do. I just had thought it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to have to be okay because I don't have the time to devote to it. I, you know, I've got two beautiful children to take care of. I've got my husband, you know, I run a, um, a homeschool. We actually, we homeschool. This is year eight for us. We were homeschooling before it became pandemic cool to homeschool. Um, <laughs> And I run a a uh, a homeschool co-op that also includes some special needs kids. So like, you know, I was, my life was going in a different direction, but bringing the writing back into it and kind of come in full circle, you know, I feel like God was kind of teaching me some important lessons and, and stretching me in different ways, but discover, you know, having that purpose and going back to that purpose all the time, that's what we're meant to do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. And I know we're going to have all your contact information in our show notes and we'll have links to all of your books in there. So make sure everybody who's listening to click, click, click and buy, buy, buy. Um, But in case somebody wants to just look you up right now while we're talking, what's the best way for them to find you? I've got a website, RebeccaDuvalScott.com. You can also find me on social media. Um, I have a Facebook account, Twitter, Instagram, um, probably just about everything you can think of and <laughs> LinkedIn. That's the other one. And um, on Facebook, especially that's probably where I'm most active. And I have a group form just for sensational kids and a group form just for my Christian historical fiction series. So lots of conversation, pictures, fun things, you know, going on on those groups. Excellent. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners? I just think, especially with it being, you know, artistic August, that, you know, find your passion and follow it, especially coming out of this period with the pandemic. And, you know, we don't know exactly what the future holds. And are we going to get locked back down at some point? Are we not? You know, it's got you got all these questions swirling around as we're trying to figure out this new virus and how to handle it. And find your purpose and just live your purpose, whether it's at home, whether it's in the community, 
I'm a firm believer in, you know, not only just writing, but all art forms that it connects people together in this period where we feel so disconnected, find, find the artwork that resonates within use. If it's books, music, dancing, whatever it is, so that you can feel connected to people again. I think that's probably one of the most important things. I absolutely agree. And I'll tell you what, you are a fantastic guest again today and a great way to end our artistic August. Thank you so much, my friend, for being with us again. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.